what better way to kick off our third segment of Super Wildcard Weekend talking points than where it all went wrong uh, for the Cowboys. Jerry Jones, Colin, was was in shock. Um, he kept his counsel on any sort of coaching decision, but um, maybe he'd be kept his counsel a little bit earlier um, in, in, in the season. The Cowboys wouldn't have felt under quite as much pressure. Like, it's difficult to know the vibe inside a team and inside the locker room until you get to the playoffs and you see I, I couldn't help thinking the tale of two cities if you looked at the the joy in Detroit like this is a team that hasn't won a home playoff game in 30 years you know it's the longest active such streak in the NFL and you know we, we'll get to we'll get to that game later you know magnificent occasion though it was for for the Lions and um, in Dallas it all felt like pressure you know and it, it reminded me of the, the great Rassi Erasmus line when he was asked before the World Cup final, that, the last one with the previous one about the pressure of playing in a World Cup semi-final, and he laughed and he said, this isn't pressure. Like, r- playing rugby is a privilege. It's not pressure. We do this to bring joy into people's lives. Pressure is not being able to put food on the table. It's being homeless. The Cowboys look like everything is too much hard work. Dak Prescott looked like he was close to tears on the sideline. The players just looked shook. They looked haunted. And they didn't look ready for this moment in any way, shape, or form. No, we've been here before. Like, and, and everything with the cow with the Cowboys because of Jerry Jones is so inflated. Like, they go on a run during the the year where they're beating some bad teams, and it's like, oh, the Cowboys are the best team in football. Dak Prescott for MVP, and that's not just Cowboys fans. There was a whole host of people. Go back and listen to the podcast. There was a whole host of people who were calling for Dak as as the the MVP. Um. The the amount of abuse that Cam Newton got, and there's plenty that you can take issue with, but like he wasn't wrong on the the game manager aspect uh, of it. And to me, you know, like, but this all goes back to Jerry. And I was listening to Kevin Clare uh, earlier, and he talked about the Jerry problem. But he's like, oh, there's nothing you can do about that. So so why talk about? It's like that's. I mean, if you want an example of where we're gone wrong. Not just with with the Cowboys, but as society writ large, the problem is staring you in the face. But because money's involved, you can't talk about it. We went to the moon and we didn't go any further. Um, it, it is crazy. We know what the problem is. It has been the same problem, not for five years, not for 10 years, not for 15 years, not for 20 years, for 30 years. His name is Jerry Jones. He constantly meddles. He he puts his fingerprints over everything. He 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 meddled with Zeke. He meddles with McCarthy. He makes jokes, and, but the truth is in the joke. Um, it over and over and over again. Yeah, they look absolutely um hopeless. But all season, like you know, it was hilarious because we we're talking about them being the number one team, talking about Dak as MVP. But then it was like, could Mike McCarthy lose his job? Um, like it's always been been hanging there. Um, uh, you know, in terms of Brian talked about earlier, like the the running the ball down da- da- down their throat, they have uh, they play a certain style. They're much kind of smaller body defense than than many, and that the Packers took advantage of that with the tight ends, and they they never got to grips with it. But until they get to grips with the Jerry Jones issue, and it will be hilarious if, um. Bill Belichick goes in there because how long do we think that is going to last exactly um, before that blows up between Jerry and Bill? 
I'm I'm not sure I see that one happening, Brian, because it just looks like Belichick is too smart for that. Unless he just wants one big payday before he set, sails off into the sunset. But I don't think that's what Bill Belichick wants. He wants the record. He wants a ring without Tom Brady. I don't know if he's necessarily going to have the setup to do that in in, in Dallas. I mean, for, Mike McCarthy takes a lot of shots, and there's a lot of things at times to criticize Mike McCarthy for, but he's consistently delivering 12-win seasons, putting them in position to execute. And he's not been helped by his owner, to put it mildly, as, as, as Colin was saying, but also not helped. And that's a point that requires or maybe deserves a little bit further explanation. That Dan Quinn defense really shown up last night, like all those dime packages, as Colin said, being bullied by tight ends, being completely out-schemed by Matt LaFleur. Here's a guy that was on a lot of general managers' radars as a potential head coach, and I'd say a lot of them will be taking him off the board after that. Oh, I don't know, and that, and I, I'd have to, I might push back on that one slightly. I think you're going to look over the bigger picture over the course of the season rather than one individual game. I do I do get your point, though, because and I kind of slightly said it earlier on that there was a piece today as to why he goes man for man throughout the course of the season, and in this game he goes highs zone coverage for a large part of the game. Now, you, you could argue that's still the fact that Packers have realistically five five receivers and two tight ends. And the, the Patriots did that and won a Super Bowl doing it against the Rams. They completely confused one of the best offensive minds in the game yeah. in Sean McVay. Good defenses, well-coached teams can do that. Yeah, but yeah, sure. So look, they were behind the eight ball for a large part of the game because of the defense. But what about the fact that what I said in the show last weekend, we all thought Mike McCarthy was going to run the ball effectively this season. This was all about Get away from the Kellen Moore style of offense. And in fact, it went the other way. They were so pass happy. But last night, they were so conservative for early on in the game. The first drive, they ran they ran the ball a number of times. Dak and, and CD Lamb were completely, uh, you know, for two guys that were so in sync in the line over the course of the season, you think they hadn't played together for months. They were missing each other. And I never, it was just never got covered. It was like one of the most flattest offensive performances. And this is a team. That has been putting up so many points. It was just seems so, so so strange. Just another point on the defense. Whilst we beat, whilst they beat the Lions twenty nineteen, the Lions had four hundred and twenty yards of total offense that night. Maybe we should have saw the fact that they did it that night, and this was coming, and we just we got away from the fact that other teams were able to do it on them, and, and it wasn't so it was it wasn't so recent, it wasn't so uh, long ago. It was week seventeen, so like it was some team. They obviously. Dylan Parkers would have recognised this, looked at this and what the Lions did effectively on that way and went went to town on it. Fantastic performance. So, and one final point, so you caught him some of the, the McCarthy thing and you, you touched on their meddling owners, but like Belichick has been with Kraft. I wouldn't say Kraft is a meddling owner, but I'm sure he had some tough, tough conversations. There's been storylines this year of Kraft kind of belittling Belichick at times in, in some of the meetings. So I think he's well used to that scenario whether he wants to go in deal with an owner like Trey Jones at his stage of his career he might be better off going with Arthur Blank down in Atlanta where he'd have a completely free run of it I would say I had a crazy idea in my head that um, Seattle might actually be the place for him you go fix that defence you got yourself a pretty good team there well, it's, it's back to the question we've had for the last three weeks does he want to go in the West Coast because I don't think that's that's in the plans I think he's more of an East Coast kind of guy he wants to live wherever he can. He can, be, can beat Shula's record and win another ring. That's the most important thing. I, I don't, you know, he's a football guy. I, I think there, there's, I, I think Bill going around, um, you know, I think I, I, I agree with you, Connor. I actually think the defense is the big issue there. But I think Bill Belichick visiting um, Seattle and Portland. Please, please, can we get that? Um, that would be amazing. <laughs> Where the dream of the 90s lives on. Well, the last time we followed Pete Carroll, it worked out pretty well. 
Are, are we suggesting that McCarthy's gone? Like he said after the game, his final commentary. If you if you listen to his press conference, he said it hasn't gone according to plan. It's probably our most embarrassing. He couldn't have says in a relevant way. It's our most embarrassing loss in their history. He, what did he give up seven touchdowns? It's their worst defeat in his in playoff history. He says final words were, "I'm floored by this." That's how he finished. One one thing on that, uh, friend of the show, and I think we can call her a friend of the show, she's dubbed herself that, uh, Jane Slater has uh, a piece obviously very close to things on the ground there. Um, and uh, she said that uh, she's been talking to players today away from the podium, as she put it, um, and that there's huge um, support amongst the players for uh, Mike McCarthy and the way they don't put it on him. Um, they they put it more on the coordinators and on Dak, uh, that Dak panics when his first read isn't there. Um, but I don't see how you can move off of Dak uh, this year either. So um, interesting times in Dallas. Right, enough enough on the misery train. Let let's go to Detroit, Brian. Um, put your hands up for, for Detroit. Fetty Legrand was uh, was in fine voice this morning, no doubt, in the uh, in the the pubs and clubs around <laughs> Detroit. I mean. Like, it's hard. And again, Lions are an NFC North rival team. Don't get me wrong. But it, it was hard not to get emotional watching that. Like, that was a, one of the best, most joyous football sporting occasions you're going to see. Like, a real highlight for the NFL. Everyone's in the building. Barry Sanders is there. Eminem is there. Everyone who's got any connection with, with Detroit over the years. A city that, you know, went, declared bankruptcy, the largest um, bankruptcy in, in, in U.S., um, civil history in, in 2013. You know, a city with a poverty rate three times the national average. You know, a city that's had tr- awful troubles, but a city like that has a really strong beating heart that has, you know, magnificent music, magnificent sporting history. You know, Joe Lewis, it has the Detroit Bad Boys, the, the, the Pistons, you know, that great Isaiah Thomas team. It has the Red Wings, you know, the Steve Eiserman-led Red Wings, that, you know, brilliant ice hockey team from the, from the 90s and 2000s. But they've never really had football success and they've thirsted after it they've lusted for it they thought they got close to it when they had Barry Sanders never quite managed to put the team around it but you know Dan Campbell has, has, has done this and his coaching staff have done this and Brad Holmes has done this and probably the most emotional part about it all is that Jared Goff did this it was brilliant to see that speech in the locker room where Campbell says yeah you're you're good enough for fucking Detroit and throws him the game ball like that was just amazing given the journey that, that he's been on it was it was lovely to see it all together even if it goes no further than this that was a great occasion. His reaction when he took the first snap as he knew the game was theirs was, for me, that was very, it was evident that it really meant a lot to him. And he, he played it down after the game again. He kept referring to the, in the interview with uh, the NBC staff after the game, in which um, he said, um, it's all about us, it's not about me. And But the players, the, the players said it in the podium, they said it, you know, in the one-to-one interviews after the game. They wanted a win of, or Goff, they said it, you know, throughout the course of the week, whilst it was great for the team and, and the city and the head coach and all everybody, they knew how much it meant to him. So for him to get over the line, I tell you, it was fantastic. And you're right, but like you see the emotion of the crowd at the end. It's been a lot of times to watch an NFL game where you see that level of emotion from from the community and people there. There was one particular, you know, fan of 66 years of season to go. He managed to keep in the tears, but others didn't. But um, they need to kind of, in a nice way, and I mean this in which, I don't mean this is I need to move on from this now because there's a bigger there's bigger things they have a real opportunity here now to go to the championship game and it's like you know what else would be great and Aaron texted me today you know he said this to me feels like this must must feel how it is when you win a Super Bowl 
And I said, no, 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 because you've got more games to play and you've got a real opportunity here. Don't be thinking like that. But that's, so they got to move on very quickly from this. And But the game itself, I picked the lines. I thought to be, I talk off with you enough. And he never seemed rattled. He had a difficult enough second half. I mean, he only scored three points in the second half. I think ultimately the game came down to, we're going to look at the X's and O's or the grinding or details of the game. The Lions are in the red zone three times, scored three touchdowns. The, the Rams are in the red zone three times, didn't score one touchdown. And they had one goal to go in those three and couldn't score a touchdown. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. They got the big touchdowns, obviously, after the deep Charles for Stafford, who, in fairness, had, had a good game as well. But we talk about it time and time again. When you're in the red zone, we talked about it earlier on in the season. Now, the red zone percentage this year was way down compared to other years. Defenses, no matter how much you go up and down the field, and they seem to be in a position that they just know have to stifle teams at the right effect and be effective at the right time. And in the second half, the Lions had five first downs. They got two of them on that last drive. I think uh, McVeigh giving away those timeouts where he, he called the timeouts because he didn't want to give a flag for a delay game. I think he probably cursed himself because once you leave yourself at one timeout, you're always in a kind of in a you know you're perplexed if you can't stop them. Couldn't stop them. They got over it. It's a huge win for Lions. It's a great story. Now. Colin, not that I think that Dan Campbell is above criticism, and we've we've given him so, given given him some of it at times, you know, particularly for the decision to leave Sam Laporta on the field in a meaningless game, which you know could have ruled him out of the playoffs. Thankfully, he did get on the field at the weekend, banged up though he was. And um, but we've also talked about trust and faith, and those are big, big things for for Dan Campbell. And you see the stuff that he's done during the season; like he does have an eye on the big picture. All of that going for it on fourth down. You know, I was listening to a coach during the week who was saying, yeah, the, one of the reasons he's doing this is not because he thinks every fourth down conversion is going to succeed, but because he knows that when they need to do it in a big game, it's not a big deal for them because they've done it over and over again. The other thing that he did, you know, ultimately is left the football in Jared Goff's hands to throw for it on third and long to get the game-clinching first down. Again, calling back to something that they did a few weeks ago in a similar situation where they could have done what most other teams do in this, that situation, run the ball, try and eat off a few yards. If you get the first down, brilliant. If you don't punt and hope your defense can see the game out. That's not how Campbell rolls and his players benefit from it. Yeah, uh, and, and it's not just Dan Campbell. It, it is uh, Brad Holmes as well. And you saw that uh, afterwards. And th- this is two guys, uh, you know, who are in lockstep. That's what Campbell called it. And that is so important. And he trust is key. And you know, players respond to trust. I go back and when, when especially now in the, the post-Belichick era, right? But Hightower, Hightower was absolutely key to everything. Yes, they call in the timeout, but the trust that Belichick had in putting the, the faith, you are given it. And if you feel we need to do it, you then, then you do it. So sometimes it can be in your favor to, call the timeout in in the right spot i i will say that i think um i'm you know i'm wondering what's going on because it's two weeks in a row where i agree with nick right now um because he said um that in uh, maybe a decade's time we will look back at head coaches using timeouts uh you know um to you know um instead of just taking five yards and think oh my goodness that was absolutely crazy and I, i would agree with him there um, but I, I think it's I think it's trust, and I think it's funny that Dan Campbell, who is so associated with, um, you know, the kind of brute force and ruggedness and toughness, 
um, is the guy who goes for it. Like McVeigh is the the guy who was proved to be more conservative. And don't get me wrong, McVeigh did a magnificent job overall. I do think the Rams will look at this and think, oh, what if? I think particularly on defense, um, uh, they they drew, they dropped Hyde into coverage six times, and he gave up um, a first down, uh, or they gave up a first down every single time. Um, so they will look at it and and think what may have been. But ultimately, yeah, trust um, and belief. And you, you don't get belief without trust. Um, and you have to put the trust in the guys. And from that comes the, the belief. Um, they get the opportunity to do it again at home next week. Um, and I, I don't think it'll be lack of preparedness um, if, they, if they, they do go out. And I think the fact that Ben Johnson came back as well. We see now why. Ben Johnson, you know, was willing to to come back to do another season with the um with the Lions to learn from Dan Campbell. I wonder if Bobby Slowick might do the same with the the Texans. Um, but you have to say they have they've absolutely turned this around. And you talked about the struggles that the city had, uh, Connor. Um, the feel good factor in Detroit today must be absolutely sensational. It must be akin. Uh, to how things were too young to properly have appreciated. I got a taste of it, but I was only a child. But I, how, how things must have been in Dublin, in Cork, in Galway, in Limerick in July 1990. Yeah, unbelievable. Brian, quick word maybe um, on the, the Rams before we wrap up, because there is some football to watch. I've also got to turn the heat down in this room. I'm burning up here. I'm going redder by <laughs> a second. But um, they they made a mockery like the Packers in many ways made a mockery of the idea that it takes two to three years to do a rebuild. They you know they they, they came ready to play this year and it was again you know one of the feel good stories of the year seeing their all those young players and seeing McVeigh rally them around and seeing Raheem Morris Column gave him his props last week and rightly so on the defensive side of the ball. Only a point in it at the end of the day and that that's that's tough. But this this is not a not a particularly brutal end to the season for the Rams and by any by any means they'll be back. Yeah, um, I think we've seen the true Sean McVay this year. Okay, his game management last night will probably be something here to reflect on as Conor really said over the course of the offseason and say, what if, but I haven't done this, I haven't done that. But Cooper has his best ever game in the league, you know, in a playoff game, nine receptions, 191 yards. Um, you got Atwell with a touchdown. They've got they've got young players, Rivers, the running back coming in when, when Williams was struggling. They've got a really young side. It's, it's, it's will they keep hold of you know, their coaching staff now because like any any year people come after Raheem Morris obviously he's been one that's been out of the potential of getting back into the coaching coaching world. But um they'll have to follow up on this and kind of you know, they're building the team it's a young dynamic team, they're gonna to look to do it again in the draft. And I talked Cooper Cup last night for a guy who has all his experience league, he was non factor for a nice parts of the game last night. last night. I don't think he I don't necessarily he's slowing down, but maybe they are kind of transitioning into a new period where players who have been used for them like Aaron Donald was one of the key players last time, but he was one of the key players who gave up that, you know, the encroaching flag, which was a critical point in the game. There was like players with a lot of experience last night for me didn't step up at the level which we, we, we saw over the course of the season and other players did which are the younger players, which bodes well for the team. I thought Manchester Stafford had a really good game under the adverse conditions of it. He seemed slightly taken back after that. Me and Colin spoke about today, the press conference where he, he we said he was delighted for the Lions players, but he didn't really reflect on, on I think they were trying to get a quote down based on the fan and the, the fans and the reception. Yeah, I think he was a bit off by the, by the nature of that, but that's playing on football and the fans. Ultimately, what a Lions victory, but he had a good game. 
not a bright spot, but I certainly think he'll be one that to be maybe around over the course of the off season. They'll feel they should have got this one. Right, speaking of clock management, gents, we need to get out of here and let the let the good people of the Irish NFL show audience go and watch some real football because we've got the uh, the, the Bill Steelers coming up, of course, and we've got uh, Bucks Eagles coming up later tonight. Uh, we'll have reactions to both of those games. We'll also we'll have uh, the the self same Aaron that we were talking about earlier, maybe giving us a bit of reaction from Detroit and looking ahead to their game at the weekend. Um, opposition still to be decided uh, based on the outcome of of that uh, Eagles Bucks game and uh, plenty more content as well. We'll be back, of course, with our game picks and previews too um, very soon. Mm-hmm.